Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Tech Disruptors. In this podcast series, we talk with CEOs and management teams about their views on disruption and how it's driving their decision-making and strategy. My name is Geeta Ranganathan. I'm the media analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence, and I'm joined today by senior technology and software analyst Neeraj Patel. We are so thrilled to have with us today our guest, Tyson Singer, the head of technology and platforms at Spotify, the global leader in streaming audio. Our discussion today with Tyson is mainly going to focus on open source and how Spotify has tapped into open source to create some of its most popular features. We'll get into that in just a little bit, but would love to kick it off, Tyson, by getting to know you a little bit better. So please tell our listeners about your background and your journey at Spotify. Well, thank you for having me on. Um, my background is primarily as an engineer. Uh, I entered uh, the workforce uh, working for telecommunication uh, firms, uh, working on real-time telecommunication software. And uh, more recently, I've been at Spotify for about six years. Uh, most of that time, I've been leading our platform and technology uh, teams and particularly focused on our infrastructure capabilities, some of our shared business platforms, and uh, also just ensuring that we have an effective technology strategy all across Spotify. Excellent. So Tyson, I know most of our discussion today is going to focus on open source, uh, which is really the pillar of the tech community. So very broadly, how has Spotify leveraged open source? Uh, what are the some of uh, you know the popular features that we see on your platform uh, that can be attributed to open source? Yeah, so we leverage um, open source pretty similarly to how most companies leverage open source. So if you look at our overall software supply chain, we uh, use it quite extensively, as you would expect with, with most companies of our nature. One of the things, though, is that it's not just about using the software, it's about contributing to the, the software as well. And so for us, that's where sort of open source software gets even more interesting. So at Spotify, we have about 80 of our own open source repositories that we actively contribute to back into the, the community. And so we have things that are very centric towards uh, the, the audio industry. So for example, we have this project that we call Pedalboard that enables folks to use sort of studio quality effects within Python and TensorFlow. And uh, it allows people to do things like what we've done with it is build out this uh, new capability that we call the, the Spotify DJ, uh, which is based on some artificial intelligence. And so it allows people to sort of add in you know, effects. And we think that this should be something that everybody can benefit from. And it's been a really popular project. And then we have other projects that are um, more general, that aren't sort of audio specific. And one of the most successful projects that we have going on right now is called Backstage. So we donated that probably back in 2020 uh, to the CNCF, and it is a developer portal. And what it does is it allows all types of developers and really even data scientists and other people who are involved in the product development uh, process to create, manage, and discover more about a complex uh, software ecosystem. And when you have a company sort of at the scale of Spotify, the software ecosystem has become incredibly complex. And so simplifying that becomes very, very important when you have tens of thousands 
of different software components that you're managing. So we've open sourced this. It has just taken off like wildfire. We have over a thousand known organizations or almost a thousand known organizations using it, over 1500 contributors. And so that's one of the things that have been like we have really been focused on in terms of the open source community, not just using what's out there, but contributing really actively to it. Wow, um, that sounds great, uh, Tyson. So I want to bring in my colleague, uh, Neeraj Patel, into the discussion. Uh, so Neeraj, take it away. Yeah, hi, Tyson. Glad to uh, have you here today. And just touching a little bit on some of your uh, open source uh, opportunities, can you step back and just define the spectrum of open source software that's available for streaming services today and just where Spotify fits in? Yeah, so there are... Uh, obviously, quite a bit of uh, open source software in the space of audio code codecs. So compression, encoding are an important part of any audio streaming uh, service. And so for a company like Spotify, we think it's quite important that we invest in those standards. So there's an uh, open source project called FLAC. Uh, it stands for Free Lossless Audio Kodak. And so it's an audio format sort of similar to MP3, but it's lossless, which you can imagine is an important characteristic for a company like uh, Spotify, where audio quality is very important. And uh, there's another project which has a much harder to pronounce name, Og Vorbis. I probably pronounced it wrong, um, in a sort of similar vein. And so those are projects that are out there that are very like specific in the open source ecosystem for streaming service, and they're not maintained by uh, big corporate entities. And so a company like Spotify, and I think more companies should do this, have a, a, a FOS fund, a free and open source fund, where we go and we actually go and contribute back into the, the ecosystem so that projects like this can continue to evolve and they can address a lot of their security uh, issues, like so that there's money going into this ecosystem so that they're more sustainable over time. And that benefits companies like Spotify, but also you know the, the industry overall. So those are some of the things that are really important. I mentioned before the, the project called Pedalboard. We have some other things that we contribute directly. Uh, we have this uh, library called Basic Pitch. Uh, which does uh, this sort of automatic music transcription. And it's got a, a very lightweight neural network inside of it that helps you basically generate a MIDI file from a regular audio file. And so that's something that we use internally to identify and categorize music. And others can also use this capability. It's a, it's a fairly popular uh, open source project as well. So that's a little bit what's going on in the open source ecosystem relative to streaming services and audio. Uh, great. And you know, what are the developers and the data scientists uh, when they consider Spotify's open source platform? That's a distinction relative to other uh, platforms. Uh, any points that they're noting? Yeah. So if I uh, go back to the, the open source platform that I mentioned before, which was Backstage, and that is something that we are, as I mentioned, really seeing a tremendous amount of adoption from. And so when we launched this, there wasn't really any other clear products in this space. So it was a bit of a greenfield space. There weren't any products open source or commercial that were providing this type of developer portal uh, for the, the industry. Since then, there have been some other um, companies who come into this space with uh, very clear commercial products. And that's great. We think that's that's great that there are, there are more, more folks in this space. 
one of the differentiators uh, with open source is that it is open source. Uh, it is flexible and it's extensible and the entire community can engage in this and shape it. And so when you open it up as an open source platform, instead of simply a commercial platform, it helps avoid a lot of the traps and limitations that you have from commercial software. And it's also quite nice from some someone who sort of buys software or access a software to avoid a lot of that vendor lock-in that can happen with closed source software. So for a company like Spotify, that's super valuable, not just from you know avoiding the vendor lock-in perspective, but it's also very valuable from the fact that you can get all this extra expertise across the globe, funneling back into a project that is very important for, for you as a company. So for us, this backstage project is kind of like the operating system for how we do all development at Spotify. And so if we were to have to replace that because the project didn't win in the, the marketplace of uh, developer portals, that would be a very expensive uh, proposition for us to, to go back and try to replace it with whatever, whatever worked. To, to sort of make the point, we had at one point, uh, and we still do, in fact, have this very small open source project, um, which is called Helios. And uh, what it, Helios does is it is basically a container orchestration uh, platform. And if those words sound familiar, uh, they probably are familiar because you will know the much more successful open source project called Kubernetes uh, that Google helped um, establish as an industry standard. So we built out this project. We didn't really invest intentionally with it as an open source project. And uh, Google did with the, with their project. Eventually, we had to go back and say, you know what, we can't keep up with the rate of innovation in the open source space. And Therefore, we're going to have to deprecate that. And that's been a very expensive proposition for us because as you can imagine a company like ours with you know, thousands and thousands of services that have to scale across the globe, uh, a lot of dependencies go into this layer and replacing it is super expensive. So when you think about open sourcing, you have to be very thoughtful about this. And that can be quite a big advantage if you're thoughtful about it to your developers and your developer ecosystem trying to sort of tie it back to your original question there. That's good to uh, understand. And this point on uh, vendor lock-in versus just an open type of platform, is there a customization type of characteristics that you see in time putting on some of these open source projects? Yeah. So I think that's one of the things that we are doing, which is a little bit unique uh, relative to one of our leading open source projects here with Backstage. So uh, for us, what we have decided to do is that we've decided to build our customizations or a subset, I should say, of our customizations on top of Backstage as a set of commercial add-ons. We call them plugins. And so we built out these uh, plugins. Some of them are free and open source uh, that really are the ones that we think help with the core value proposition of uh, Backstage. And then there are these commercial ones that we've layered on top of that. And we, we announced that commercial approach on top of Backstage back in December of last year. And uh, the reason that we have done this is because this helps us create a very sustainable ecosystem for our open source uh, projects. So open source projects are not free. 
those 15,000 contributors and really doing a good job of managing the community and supporting that, that community takes a lot of time and effort. And so in this ecosystem that we have right now in tech, where there is a lot of pressure on budgets and um, streamlining, and you can't take anything for granted. So having a mechanism to feed back into your ecosystem the resources that you need because you can monetize on top of your open source project is really an important added benefit if you can figure out how to do it. I don't think you know, that's going to be something that most companies are going to be able to do, but the ones that can do it, I think it can really make it much more successful for you if you have a way to really sustainably drive a lot of your open source projects. And I think you can kind of see that with some of the most successful projects is that they are driven by some way to monetize that. So I mentioned Kubernetes before. Of course, uh, Google has its GKE product built on top of that. So there's, they're able to, to leverage their open source projects and then be able to go out and, and feed and support those projects so they can com- continue to be valuable for themselves and the broader community. And speaking to your point about leveraging open source and how Spotify is moving ahead, how do you consider uh, measuring the attraction by the developers and data scientists. Do you have any uses metrics on, on the open source take up? Uh, yeah, we certainly have um, usage metrics on the open source uh, take up, and so there's a few different metrics that we we follow. So one of the things which uh, we of course follow is just the adoption metrics, and uh, this is happening with uh, with backstage in just the perfect way. It's the sort of curve you want to see. It looks like the traditional hockey stick. The adoption is going like gangbusters. And so for us, that is like one of the, the most important metrics because as I think I mentioned, we want this product to succeed in the marketplace. We want it to be the dominant thing so we never have to replace it internally at Spotify. We want to get all the goodness um, from the, the community pouring back into that, improves our products internally and it allows everybody else to benefit from that. So that's one of the you know, most interesting metrics in terms of what we track on adoption. There are some other interesting metrics that uh, we see uh, relative to the product itself. And that is around the impact of the product when it's delivered into a particular company. So I can just, for sort of uh, illustration point, share what happens inside of Spotify with Backstage. So inside of Spotify, we see that uh, the folks who use Backstage the most, uh, in fact, have the fastest rates of commits inside of our organization. So we see that there's a really a direct correlation between using Backstage and a number of productivity metrics. So those are things that we look at as well to indicate whether the project is, is successful, which is, is it actually achieving very specific metrics with respect to productivity in uh, the ecosystem that, that we've delivered it into? Uh, that's good to understand. And stepping into the competitive landscape, how does the open source platform position Spotify versus some of the larger streaming companies from a financial perspective, App or Google or other peers? Yeah, so this is a really interesting question. And it goes a little bit to another aspect of our open source strategy. So 
we're a relatively, it may sound funny to some of your listeners, we're a relatively small company uh, compared to a lot of our larger competitors. They are like orders of magnitude larger than we are. And that means that when we do work to improve the productivity of our workforce, which is a lot of what my organization does, we can't amortize those costs over as large of a surface area. So uh, if you pick well, you know, a large company like Google, they have multiple business lines where they can take those revenues and they can invest those back into their business to make their business more productive. And uh, since they have those multiple business lines, they can really they can do a lot of that. We're a smaller company with primarily one business line, and yet we need to compete with these other these other teams. So we also have to get much more productive uh, over time. And if they're getting more productive than we are over time, that that could be a, a race that we we lose. So one of the other aspects of why we want to be able to uh, have a commercial product on top of Backstage is it allows us to basically bring in a revenue stream that allows us to amortize our costs over a much larger developer population. So all of the folks who are using Backstage and these custom plugins that we have are generating extra revenue so that we can invest that back into this productivity ecosystem, which then also benefits all of our customers because they get all those benefits as well. So a lot of our customers are, you know, companies are of our size and they need to be able to get these productivity gains as well. So for us, it creates a virtual cycle uh, where it allows companies of our nature to be better positioned against a much better capitalized and financed and uh, broad companies that are out there. I don't, I don't know if the, that, that, that was fully clear. So happy to, to dig in more there. Now, that point resonates with a lot of the investing community in terms of amortizing the larger development costs. Uh, have you seen, I know it's early, you said Backstage was introduced in 2020. Is Spotify seeing any impact on profitability behind the increased in engineering productivity across your teams? Yeah, so... Um... We, we do see that. And so it's, it's a little hard to, to, to measure. So I do a few things to try to figure out what's the economic value of the productivity work. So we will measure specific programs that we have internally and figure out basically what set of activities did it offset. And so, you know, if an engineer no longer has to do these activities because we've automated it or made it simple, we can turn that into wall clock time and we can turn wall clock time into uh, dollars and we can say basically it offset this amount of OPEX spent. So to get the same output, we would have to have those impacts. And those impacts run in the tens of millions of dollars for relatively small investments. So we have programs you know, where we, we, we may have 20 people involved that are generating 50 million in OPEX you know, recovery. And that's just the, the measurable part of what we can do. So those things are things that we do in general. And then we have inside of our company also a lot of additional metrics that we track to as proxy metrics to improving productivity and the overall organization. And uh, we have helped 
share a little bit of that as part of the commercial plugins that we put on top of our backstage bundle. So we have uh, one product there, which is called Pulse, which allows you to understand a lot of these more advanced approaches to understanding productivity in your ecosystem, and then draw insights from those and then make the best choices on how you want to improve your your ecosystem. So that's what we do at Spotify. We have a quite a substantial data science team inside of my organization to understand productivity across our organization that then informs the product management team in my organization on their priorities. What do we need to fix? What are the flow disruptors for our developers and our data scientists so that we can then make the best ROI choices on our investments and how to, uh, to, to do that? And so we're trying to share more and more of that approach uh, with the broader community on top of Backstage. And on your points here, where you're highlighting some of the benefits of open source, the uh, larger developer community, the product enhancements, even the recruitment uh, tool itself, uh, what are some of the challenges that you see the end user on working with your open source platform, whether it's deployment, configuration, maintenance, et cetera? Uh, that would be interesting to hear. Yeah. So I, mean, I think you first have to, to go back to the fact that you know, it, Open source doesn't solve a problem. No software that you adopt is going to uh, solve a problem. It's not going to be a silver bo- bullet. You can't throw something out there and it's going to solve anything. So when you go out and you adopt a, a, an open source project, you have to know how it fits into your particular context. So Backstage, for example, is a, a tool that... You have a community out there. You can leverage that community uh, to really understand how to apply it in your particular case. But if you don't, then you're not going to be successful. And if you don't think about not only the uh, technological aspects of this, but the cultural aspects of it and the process aspects of it, then you're going to start to see that things aren't going to be as successful. And so that's just maybe a high-level answer to the, the question without getting into like really specific you know, metrics. But if I do see the, the very specific metrics that I already talked about is that you know, when you invest in an open source project very intentionally and it meets a particular market need, like you get this hockey stick, stick effect of adoption, adoption, adoption. And, uh, and that's what we're seeing right now with, with our, some of our projects. And as you interact with the large community that's involved with your many projects. Is there any striking comments that have come back from the end users uh, that have surprised you? Yeah. So there have been some things that have come back that have really helped us uh, develop our product better. So one of the things that is a really important part of how you build an effective development ecosystem is your ability to search and locate information in your ecosystem. So that could be searching for technical documentation. It could be searching for an API. It could be searching for a data set. All of those things take time. And you also want to potentially nudge people in certain directions. You want them to discover uh, something that really works well with you. So we took our approach out to, to, to market. And a lot of folks out there said, well, that doesn't work for us. We need a different set of things. And what they did is they went ahead and just jumped in. And that's the great part of the open source ecosystem is that they can jump in and then they can contribute back their solution, which may not be perfect for Spotify, but may be perfect for another five or six different uh, companies. So that's 
one of the learnings. Another learning that we had was around role-based access control. So Spotify is a uh, unusual company in the degree of trust and openness that we have. Um, and that's just a reflection of the industry that we're in, as well as our original sort of founding values and, and where we come from. And of course, there's a lot of other companies that can't take that same approach. It's not appropriate if you're in a financial ecosystem, your insurance ecosystem, et cetera, et cetera. You can't operate that way. And so they want these same benefits. We discovered that we really needed to make some changes in the core of uh, the backstage project so that people could implement uh, role-based authentication. And moreover, then we actually built a plugin uh, to tap into those, those APIs. So that's one of those learnings that we got quite early in our backstage journey after we open-sourced it. That you know, Not all companies are like Spotify, and nor should they be, yet they probably want to get a lot of the goodness that, that we have. So there's some adaptations that have to be made. And that backstage platform, as the users become more experienced with it, what are some of the product features that are coming out of this open source platform that would not have come out in your mind? Yeah. So I think one of those things that that was just the most clear example I already covered in terms of the the backstage search, I don't think we would have had the the same set of capabilities that would have come out there and also the role-based authentication. Those those simply would have not, not occurred in, in a, a context without other folks coming in with their very different needs and different viewpoints. Okay, great. I'm going to pass it on to uh, my colleague, Geetha. She's going to get a little more into the business aspects here, Tyson. Yep. Thank you so much, uh, Neeraj. Thank you, Tyson. So obviously, lots of benefits that you've just enlisted uh, for open source. But, you know, just philosophically speaking, do you think a company is at a disadvantage if it doesn't have an open source strategy? So, so why should a company have an open source strategy? Yeah, I love this question. So first and foremost, I don't think every company should have an open source um, uh, strategy. When Spotify got started, I wouldn't say we had an open source uh, strategy. We just had this sort of like let a thousand flowers bloom type approach, which was, you know, your community, pretty much any developer and large set of developers, there's going to be a bunch of people who want to contribute to the open source ecosystem. So that's going to happen one way or the other. And then they may be contributing to existing projects. They may want to spin up new projects. We kind of let that, that happen. However, as a company matures and the number of resources that go into those sorts of things increases, I think like any, any significant investment your company makes, it should be done intentionally and it should be driven by a set of goals. And so I do think if you're at that stage of your company, then it is important to, to think very specifically about how you go about doing this and why you go about doing this. So we have a tool in our toolbox to help us with that. It's an open source program office that we've funded. They're able to better focus our efforts. And we have, I don't know, probably half dozen different goals uh, that go into our strategy. And I'm happy to share those. They, I don't think they're going to be what everybody's strategies are, but they're, they're the ones that, are, that we think are important. So the the, the first one is um, really related to our culture. Um, so we're a company where culture matters a lot. And we want to create a sustainable work environment for our employees. And uh, in order to do that, and you think about the open source ecosystem right now, a lot of that work is basically an unpaid side hustle where at nights and weekends, 
you have people working on open source stuff that is contributing to value to your company. We recognize that that is valuable for our company. And so, in fact, we would like that open source work to happen primarily during core working hours. And we, a while ago, actually put in a metric uh, on that. That open source uh, program office that I mentioned, the OSPO, tracks that metric. And we went from looking like the industry average of like 50% of our open source contributions happening during nights and weekends uh, to down to around 36%. And so it really helped drive that metric in a direction that we think is uh, sustainable and healthy and also supports actually a more diverse open source ecosystem because the people who tend to be able to uh, work nights and weekends uh, tend to be young men and more people want to contribute into that ecosystem. So that's like culturally, like just a, a starting point and, and it should be part of your strategy because culture is part of your strategy. Uh, of course, uh, secondly, we wanted to tap into a broader talent pool. And we, I talked a little bit about the different aspects of being able to tap into a, a talent pool. We have the normal stuff, which is, you know, we want to get value from and we want to learn from folks outside of our company. And we want to inspire folks to, to join Spotify. And by being uh, effective around our open source strategy and thoughtful about our open source strategy, I think we do that better. So for a while ago, we, we actually culled out a lot of our open source projects. We, uh, we eliminated about two, 140 of them. We, we basically shut down all of those and then we took nine of them and we transferred ownership somewhere else so that we could be the most effective on the 80 that are remaining and be the most intentional on, on those 80 remaining. And that allows us to really focus on our goals as a company. The, the third thing that I'll mention is the software replacement problem that I talked about. So again, there's going to be potentially for any company, a few sets of open source software, either that you build or may, may not be open source yet, software that you build uh, or that you build upon that you don't want to have to replace at some point in the future. So if you're building upon some third-party open source, you better invest in it and bet on it and, and not have to replace it if it's going to cost you hundreds and hundreds of person years uh, to replace that software. And it will at, at scale for, for some of these core things. Or if you're in an, an open space like we were with Backstage, like really investing in the community and making that project successful and marketing it and uh, supporting everyone and figuring out how to financially drive that, that project over the long term, that is a strategic decision that you would want to make. Um, Maybe mention a couple more. Um, so lots of thoughts on this uh, because I think it is really important to have a thoughtful strategy if you're at that stage where you need to be. So there are weaknesses in the open source ecosystem. And by being thoughtful about uh, your open source strategy, you can think about how to shore up those weaknesses in the open, uh, open source strategy. So uh, as I mentioned before, we are part of this FOS fund, or we have this FOS fund, where we give um, lead to maintainers of open source projects that are smaller and don't have co corporate backing. This allows them to uh, invest in fixing their security vulnerabilities uh, that otherwise wouldn't be, be fixed. And all companies, you know, they all, not all companies, but most companies have these software components in their software supply chain. And uh, so if those things aren't fixed, then it's a vulnerability for all of us. The other thing that is, I think, a weakness in the open source software space right now is 
around the supply chain vulnerabilities. And so we've joined uh, a foundation called the Open Source Security Foundation to help contribute into that ecosystem so that we can also take this other lens on how we uh, identify and help remediate supply chain vulnerabilities that all of us are sort of dependent on. Um, so those are a few things I mentioned, the, uh, the other ones in terms of creating a sustainable financial model that can overcome some of these financial um, problems. And uh, yeah, I could go on and on. I should stop. Got it. I mean, those were some really interesting points, Tyson, especially on how I think open source has supported a better work culture at Spotify, how it's kind of creating this, uh, you know, more sustainable business model. Um, you just touched on some of the weaknesses of open source, like, you know, maybe security vulnerabilities or even lack of adequate funding. In your mind, are those the biggest challenges facing the future of open source? Um, yes, yeah, so certainly the, the security one is top of mind, securing the supply chain. The, the other one I alluded to as well is the sustainability of the ecosystem. Again, getting over this, this open source as a side hu hustle, uh, open source as uh, ecosystem that doesn't allow for a more diverse set of people working on it. I think those are the biggest fa challenges facing open source right now. And I, I think they're surmountable if more and more companies think about how they want to engage intentionally in open source. Understood. So obviously, I mean, you, you as a company, your team has made huge strides in open source, but, but what are your broad predictions for the future of open source? How does that align with Spotify's specific strategy? Yeah, so I think we've talked a, a fair amount of how it aligns with our overall strategy. Uh, it is around being sort of thoughtful about that replacement problem that you have and choosing wisely uh, on which projects you're going to bet on, whether that's your own projects or other projects. I think there's also you know, this importance of changing the, the culture around open source uh, of, you know, who, who's able to contribute and when, when they're able to, to contribute. But I'm quite optimistic, uh, as I said before, that we'll be able to, to go through this overall transition. I think one of the things that um, might be an interesting thing to see how it plays out is whether or not more companies like Spotify go down this route of trying to monetize on top of their open source ecosystems. So it is a little bit unusual. So you see, of course, there are a lot of companies that monetize on top of open source, but typically they are dedicated to that uh, function. So there's companies on top of Cassandra and Kafka, uh, et cetera. But there aren't so many companies that have this other mandate. And our mandate is... Uh, to really focus on supporting creators in the audio ecosystem and allowing fans to to enjoy the work that that, that they do, we're also trying to to create this you know, financially sustainable ecosystem for their open source uh, approach. But I think there'll be a number of companies that actually figure out how this actually plays into their strategic uh, interests as well over time and helps them solve problems that they have, maybe like the ones that I was describing, where they need to amortize the cost of their improvements of productivity over a, uh, a wider uh, population. So I think there'll be more folks that take a look at that and participate in it. I've seen a few cases already. Some big companies have done it. Uh, some sort of companies that are the size of Spotify are, are getting into this space. So I think that's something that might might play out. And uh, maybe if Spotify can be successful in our approach, then that'll inspire others to to try the same. Absolutely. 
Um, so we've covered a lot of ground, uh, but just given all the rage uh, and all the hype surrounding chat GPT, I think we would be remiss if we didn't touch on AI and open AI. So if you could tell us a little bit about, you know, what Spotify's plans are with open AI, I think our listeners would be really excited to hear about that from you. Okay. Well, first, I'm not going to call it any particular vendor. Um, we are very excited about generative AI, um, particularly large language models, but also diffusion models. And they are in many of our products already. I mentioned already that we launched this AI DJ, which creates this curated lineup of music alongside of uh, commentary around the tracks and the artists. Uh, it's really getting rave reviews. And that is based on this uh, type of technology. But really we're expecting this uh, to span across the board. It's important for summarization. It's important for discovery of content. It's important for content moderation. This is really an, a, an effective technology to do all of those things. For uh, the area that I really focus on, which is developer productivity, we are just exploding with ideas of how to use this. And I think the industry is exploding with ideas. So we have our annual hack week going on uh, right now. And I've already seen a number of previews of how teams are planning to integrate things like chatbots into backstage to help a lot solve a lot of the flow disruption problems that we see for de developers, you know, making this process of discovery and understanding very large, complex tech ecosystems simpler. So I'm very positive about how we're going to apply these technologies across all these different uh, domains. Fabulous. So we've, um, you know, we're almost coming to the end of our discussion here. So um, Tyson, any closing thoughts that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Yeah. So um, maybe just to reiterate a couple things. One, open source, approaching open source strategically can be a big benefit. Yeah, if you are looking around the corner, thinking about how you want to use third-party open source, uh, whether that project's going to be successful, whether it's not going to be successful, what's going to be the cost of replacement of that, that's a really important thing to do. It takes time and, and investment. And then maybe two, if all of your strategic levers line up, it can also be a way to create a very positive dynamic between uh, what your community uh, has uh, and needs uh, and your company has and needs and get this super positive flywheel um, spinning of contributions back into your company, contributions back out into the, the community ecosystem. And we are really just seeing that in spades with our backstage uh, project in particular. It is generating an amazing productivity uh, improvement for our company and for other companies all through the power of the community. That's great. I mean, this has been an absolutely fabulous discussion, Tyson. We want to thank you on behalf of everybody at Bloomberg Intelligence, on behalf of our listeners for a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for um, spending time with us and, and uh, talking to us so much about open source. We really, really appreciate it. And we hope to have you again on one of our episodes very, very soon. Thank you. It was a pleasure.